Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Here's in a half shell, turtle power. They're the most inspiring, fighting team. Tent ninjas. Ninjas in a half shell, and they're green. Woo. When the evil shredder attacks, we put him down and make fun of his slacks. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Turtles. And your theme. <laughs> Shit. I forget the words. What a great song. What a great song. That might be the greatest theme song of all time, arguably. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, I'm biased. I wanted to be a Ninja Turtle when I, when I was a kid. When my buddy shot me down, when I told him that as an adult, <laughs> I was smoking pot. It was Adam Devine, actually. And I go, I want to be a turtle when I was a kid. He was like, yeah, that's impossible, dude. You don't even know karate. <laughs> I was like, okay, we should put the joint down because that's... You know, not the only reason I couldn't be one. Also, I'm not an amphibian named after a Renaissance painter. Um, that theme song was played because, uh-oh, special episode of the About Last Night podcast today. They're all special, okay? We love all our episodes. We love we love doing the show. But, uh, you know, there's sometimes a guest that, that comes into our world that we get to sit down and have a conversation with that that is like a big piece of our childhood. And... Uh, and that's today's guest. We interviewed and had an amazing conversation with the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman, baby. Holy shit. Uh, Brad and I went down to San Diego for this. We were live at the San Diego Comic Art Gallery, an amazing gallery dedicated to comics, everything comics. Um, and it was insane. I mean, uh, Kevin Eastman co-created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The stories we got of how the turtles came to be, how they created Shredder, the uh, the amounts of of uh, crazy fan mail they they've gotten, and, and parents sending them letters, being like, "Can you tell tell my kid that the turtles aren't real because they're trying to climb into sewers?" Um, it was unbelievable. Uh, everything you want in this episode as a fan of the Ninja Turtles, even if you're just slightly a fan, you're gonna get everything you want. Uh, it was fun. It was funny. He rolled with the punches. He doesn't get uh, chatted up by comedians a lot, and uh, he rolled with the punches even when we talked about why there were no uh, Ninja Turtle dildos. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing episode, so much fun, um, and, uh, and, and Kevin's a great dude, and it was, uh, man, childhood fantasy came true. Enjoy the hell out of this episode. Follow Kevin on Twitter at KevinEastman86. Tweet at him, tell him how much you love the episode. Follow me on Twitter at Adam Ray Comedy. Brad is at Funny Brad at ALN Podcast for the podcast. At ALN Podcast on Instagram, I'm at Adam Ray33. Brad is Brad Williams Comic. Um, holy shit, big news. Um, tomorrow, July 15th, Ghostbusters comes out. I'm in Ghostbusters, okay? I've got a scene as me. Well, not as me, not as Adam Ray, but as, uh, as an actor. And then I've got two scenes as Slimer. Some people have already uh, seen sneak previews and been like, was that you? It's pretty clear that it's me, but I am the lead singer of the band in the big set piece uh, scene um, 
I get attacked by a ghost. I'm, I'm the lead singer of the band at the death metal concert. That's all you got to know. All right? I got a lot of eyeliner on, and, uh, and it's incredible. Uh, also voiced in Slimer. The movie's great. Go see it. Opens tomorrow, July 15th. Go see and support Ghostbusters. Paul Feig crushed it again. Uh, of course, Mad TV premieres July 26th. We're a few weeks away, which is nuts. We're, uh, we're shooting a lot. It's, it's insane. It is a very chaotic and intense process, but uh, you, know, you just got to jump in and go, go balls to the wall. And, uh, and make sure that, that you're bringing the funny. But it's a blast. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Um, I think it's, uh, it's going to be really well received. We're having fun, and, and I think it's going to translate on, on camera. Uh, tour dates. I'm in town for a while, obviously doing mad all summer. I will hit the road in the fall hard and, uh, and hit as many cities as I can. Uh, of course, Bumbershoot in Seattle in the fall, which I'm pumped for. But all my local dates, uh, Laugh Factory Improv Comedy Store, uh, AdamRayTV.com for all those dates. Uh, my website has been updated. It's brand new. So please go to the new revamped AdamRayTV.com for all sorts of new fun videos, content, tour dates. Uh, it's all up there. AdamRayTV.com. Shout out to my buddy Brad uh, Fierstein who, uh, who knocked that out. He's a, 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 a website. I was going to say website gigolo. Jesus. Website wizard. How did I get gigolo and wizard mixed up as professions? That are living in the same world. Not at all. Um, so anyway, AdamRayTV.com, all my tour dates. Uh, one in particular, headlining the Hollywood Improv on July 30th. That is a Saturday, 8 p.m. Uh, it's going to be a star-studded lineup. I'm, I'm asking some some big-name friend favors and uh, hoping to stack that, that, that night out. So uh, get your tickets at AdamRayTV.com for July 30th, 8 p.m., Hollywood Improv. Brad Williams. Well, Brad is in Columbus, Ohio this week at the Funny Bone in Columbus, Ohio. Go see Brad uh, tonight through Sunday, July 14th through the 17th, headlining the Columbus Funny Bone. Get your tickets at funnybone.com. And, of course, Brad is in Montreal uh, from July 20th through the 30th doing a bunch of shows, um, you know, crushing it, hanging out with big comics, hopefully pulling some podcasts and having a great time. So go see Brad in Montreal July 20th through the 30th. And, of course, when you're bringing your ALN merch to the shows, Hopefully you got it at astoymerchandise.com, E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Hat shirts, mugs, posters. The E.T. mugs and shirts and posters are up on the site live. So go get them right now, E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. That E.T. picture that Nicole Bicek took for us uh, has been incredible online. And uh, now you can get it on a shirt or mug or poster. So go to astoymerchandise.com and get the new ALN merch. And, uh, and of course, you know. Keep subscribing to the podcast as you're doing. Tell your friends. Tell your family. And when you uh, when you listen to a new episode, if you can, go over to iTunes. All right, type in about last night. Click that fifth star. Give us a five-star rating. Type a little comment on the iTunes page. Not only do we love hearing feedback and just, you know, stories from you guys, but uh, it's incredible to uh, to have that type of interaction with you guys and, and to know that what we're doing and what we're enjoying is, is resonating with you all. So if you can do that, five-star rating on iTunes, comment on the iTunes page, helps us climb the charts, and, uh, and all that gravy sauce. We haven't had a fan of the week for a while. We're bringing that back. Been a little slow on the uptake, but uh, holy shit. Lucas Blankenship is this week's fan of the week. Lucas sent me a message on Twitter. I hope you don't mind me reading it, Lucas, but it was a heartfelt, honest, out-of-the-blue message, and uh, I'll just read it. Lucas hit me up on Twitter and said, Hey, this might be super weird, and he spelled Super Supper, which I'm a big fan of, but I have some serious illness and had to stop playing basketball, which is what I lived for. 
which I can totally resonate to, by the way, Lucas. I wanted to be in the NBA for a long time. As you know, quick fat didn't happen. So I feel your pain, dude, of uh, not being able to play at the level you want to. Um, Obviously, your situation is way different. But uh, Lucas says, I had to stop playing basketball, which is what I lived for. So when I lost, so then I was lost, and I'm only 17. So I have to find some other stuff to care about. Anyways, I was like freaking out one night. So I was like, I need to chill out. So I went on iHeartRadio and found you guys and have been losing my shit ever since. Thank you so much. Lucas, I can't tell you how much that means to us to to know that what we're doing is bringing joy uh, and helping you get through a rough time. Uh, You are the fan of the week, baby. And uh, and you send me that address. You're going to get some ALN merch. And and hopefully we continue to to be a bright spot in your life, buddy. there's a lot of a lot of great shit in the world. Basketball is just one of those things, and uh, you know, um, shit. Hopefully, you get to come to a show sometime soon and see this see this live. You know, comedy is, is the best live. Maybe we can do a live podcast in your uh, in your city sometime soon. Uh, so, Lucas Blankenship, fan of the week. Thanks for listening, and uh, and I think that's it. All right, now that we got the tour dates out of the way, that's the Mad TV info, the Ghostbusters info, the fan of the week info, the Twitter handles, the merch info. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co-creator, Kevin Eastman. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a juice, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. How about we do a little sitcom trick and we have we start off with you guys doing a big round of applause right now. Yeah! Yeah! Hi everyone. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming to the live podcast uh, in, in the San Diego Comic Art Gallery. I don't know if you guys are about last night fans, if you're Ninja Turtle fans. Uh, either way, you probably lost your virginity very late. I mean, wait, what? What? I mean, no, no, we're all sexually active beings and very desirable to all members of the human race. Anyway, uh, anyway uh, Adam actually met our guest uh, and called me and said, do you want to interview the creator of the ninja and he got to knit and I'm like yes absolutely <laughs> fuck yes and uh yeah thank god it wasn't some other word but it was actually ninja turtles <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, Adam how did that, how did that meeting happen yeah so uh I was on uh I was down here doing stand up uh in downtown San Diego and they'd have you do a lot of morning press and radio TV I think I was doing some Morning TV of Fox News, Fox Five, yeah. Fox Five, and uh, and they're like, uh, they're like, there's gonna be some other people uh, on the show today, and I was like, is it Mario Lopez? And they're like, nope, I don't know why you're so excited about that, and uh, and they're like, it's Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I- I'm sure you guys share a similar. Uh, sentiment, but like the Ninja Turtles for me, I mean, a lot of firsts. Like 
Brad mentioned, like, the first curse word I feel like I ever heard that I wanted to repeat was from Raphael. Raphael on the top of the roof just going, (laughs) I think think that's actually how I closed my bar mitzvah. Uh, (laughs) Was just finishing my Torah portion and then standing on the bima and saying that. But... uh, it's just, it's like, and that's one of the great things about our business too, is that you, you, you stay in it long enough and get enough, uh, cool opportunities to find yourself in positions like doing a San Diego morning, uh, new show and meeting a childhood hero. And, uh, obviously I have no shame. So I went up and I was like, I have all the turtle toys. You're the best ever. And, uh, again, in that voice too. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely in that voice. And luckily Kevin wasn't too, uh, freaked out. I'm sure you've had crazier fan interactions, but, uh, and then I even brought Kevin on during my segment, and I think I started doing my Splinter impression. Which I were, love the Splinter. Um, that thank you. Awesome. That's what. Well, and that's the thing too is like the turtles for me is like you know I got into comedy by impersonating like friends and teachers, and then like some of the first characters I did were uh, you know fictional characters, and Splinter being one. And uh, I used to prank call my friends as Splinter. I used to talk shit to kids on Xbox Live as Splinter. Um, <laughs> I think every now and then I'd probably come like Splinter and don't realize it. Uh, <laughs> and how would that sound like, Adam Ray? Oh. <laughs> uh, so. That's the impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the impression. But that really covers a whole spectrum of emotion. Yeah, like that. it really does. That could also be Splinter, like, finding out that he got an overdraft fee. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, so uh, obviously, like, I-, I made a very active choice to, to say, how can we, you know... Uh, hang out again and Brad and I have been doing this podcast and and uh, you know I've had on some some pretty cool guests and, and threw those names at, at Kev and said hey Susan Sarandon Melissa McCarthy and the Goo Goo Dolls have done this show you want to do it and add your name to that list and, and he said yes and that's why we're here today in the San Diego Comic Art Gallery uh yeah, and, and this kind of helps complete, like, one of, one of the best parts about doing this podcast is we kind of get to have all our childhood heroes. If, if you listen to the podcast, you know that we've had Mr. Belding on, and uh, we've, we've had, had Julia White, had Julia White Steve Urkel, on, yeah. which was the weirdest thing ever because <laughs> uh, we're having Julia White on, and we, and we record it at his place, and he has an Urkel doll in his place. So you're staring at Jaleel, <laughs> staring at an Urkel doll, and, you're, and you just think, like, how many mushrooms did I take to make this happen? <laughs> and, but now, this moment is topping that, because as you look around the San Diego Comic Art Gallery, and if you live down here or, or within uh, four or five hours of driving here, you, and you like comics... Holy shit, you've got to come here, uh, and then you will literally come here, because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. I walked in, and I made that sound that Splinter made, because uh, <laughs> you look around, and this is everything, this is everything from, like, from your childhood, like, if, for, for me, if seven-year-old Brad Williams, who ironically was the same height as 32-year-old Brad Williams, <laughs> uh, walked into this place, just... It, it would be that, like that commercial they're running now where the heads explode and purple dust just comes out of people's heads. Like that's what it would be for me and obviously that would happen because we all know midgets have purple dust in their heads. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you guys sleep so long. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't even know what that means. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, obviously we're not here to listen to us talk about our fandom uh, and how excited we are because I'm sure you guys are just as excited I mean, look at this Ninja Turtles shirt. How long have you had that? Yeah. 
Turtle Shirts All My Life. Turtle Shirts All Your Life. I mean, uh, that's the name of your debut folk album. <laughs> <laughs> this song is called Turtle Shirts All My Life. I wrote it for you because her name was April. What? <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so without further ado, uh, live from the San Diego Comic Art Gallery, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman, let him hear it. Come on. <laughs> is, it, is, it is it co-creator of the Ninja Turtles, or can I just say co-creator of my childhood? Yeah. Like, um, it's like my parents having sex had something to do with my childhood. A little bit. But a little bit. But then I feel like you came in and just took over. So uh, thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. You know, it's still amazing to me that I'm sitting here 32 years after the Turtles were born, still talking about the Ninja Turtles. It's like... a and that's when purple dust comes out of my <laughs> Now, does that make you sick? Like, when, when someone comes up, because I know, like, George Lucas has told stories about how he doesn't run unless he sees a Star Wars fan. He's like, oh, shit, I don't want to answer any more questions about Tauntauns. Uh, trying to pull out a really obscure reference there. Uh, but, yeah, but so, like, when you see someone and they've got, like, a turtle shirt on and they're, and, and they're holding a bow staff... Are you excited, or are you like, I need to get out of here as fast as possible? No, I mean, I'm completely excited and honestly excited because, you know, when I was growing up, I was a huge fan of Jack Kirby. He's the – Jack Kirby was the guy that was, like, my inspiration. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the giant I stand on the shoulders of, and I was like – I still remember telling my parents, like, you know, uh, when I get older, I'm going to be Jack Kirby. And they gave us that look of, like, oh, my God, I'm going to have one of those kids that never moves out of the basement kind of thing. <laughs> um, so yeah. I said that if I had – one fan, I would just be thrilled. And the fact that, you know, 32 years after the Turtles were, were born, created, and, and launched into this universe stratosphere, that uh, I love my fans. They've wow. given me the, the greatest job on the entire planet. I mean, you have to, like, you have to walk into uh, that room, and I mean, I'm sure the uh, just that feeling of, like, I can't believe that a couple, like, when you were first sketching the Turtles, which was, like you said, 32 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and in your, you were doing it out of... What, out of just like a love for drawing or boredom or what was it? Well, yeah, Peter Laird, the, the co-creator of yeah. the Turtles, we were sharing the studio. And that's where, you know, the studio's name Mirage Studios came from because it was a mirage. It was our living room. We, we didn't have a studio. We had <laughs> this tiny little uh, place in, in Dover, New Hampshire. And it was late one night. And he used, he used to watch like what I thought was like the worst the worst TV shows, TJ Hooker, the A-Team, stuff like that. And that so had I, William Shatner in it, how dare you. <laughs> exactly. That, that was a classic. American I, I love William Shatner, I just didn't like it. It yeah. introduced but. the world to Heather Locklear, so even though I love you, how dare you. <laughs> so I thought it was my job to annoy him as much as possible while he was trying to watch his TV shows, and uh, I was a huge fan of Bruce Lee growing up, and yeah. I thought, uh, you know, if Bruce Lee was an animal, what would be the stupidest animal Bruce Lee would be? And I, was like, well, I mean, just to have turtle. that thought is like, that's next level shit. Like, yeah. like I've never seen Chuck Norris and been like, oh, what if, what if he was a bear? You know, like, yeah, yeah like my, my thing was, was like when you're thinking of what's the weirdest thing? Were there other because you, you, you eventually got Ninja Turtles. Were there st- things you turned down in your head? Like, I'm going to draw the karate koalas. Wait, no. Uh, taekwondo zebras. Wait, no. Uh, jiu-jitsu Jews. Uh, wait. Uh, Which do exist, I can attest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's really called Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> Kevin goes, I have their album. Yes. <laughs> That's my line. Okay. okay. So, yeah. So, so you, you, you love... Now, why did you love Bruce Lee and martial arts? What was it about... You know, I grew up in a real small town in Maine, and, and you know, when we got cable, which was the most you know awesome thing in the, in the planet, there was this uh, 
uh, TV, one of the cable channels out of Boston would uh, do these either monster marathons, like play the Godzilla movies, or they'd do this, you know, they call it Chopsaki Theater, and they'd play like martial arts movies all Saturday afternoon, so that's what I would do is watch... <laughs> You know, yeah, watch yeah. martial arts movies, and uh, Bruce Lee was, you know, just he was the coolest, and uh, you know, so I was always, I mean, that's got Bruce Lee stuff all over my studio in there. You can't see it because there's too much other stuff. But, yeah, uh, no, and that was that was a thing. It was just the stupidest idea, and I and I literally did the sketch with, you know, it ended up being named Michelangelo, but it's this turtle standing upright. He's got a mask on, nunchucks strapped to his arms, and you know, I put it on Pete's desk, and I said, "This is going to be the next big thing." Ha ha ha! And mm-hmm. uh, you know, studio one upmanship. He did a drawing, changed some things, and of course, I had to top his drawing, so I did a pencil sketch, four turtles, each with different weapons, and did this little comic book logo that said Ninja Turtles. Uh, when he inked it in, he he had a teenage mutant to it, and um, we looked at it and said, "This is the stupidest thing we've ever seen." <laughs> and we're going to be millionaires. We're gonna be- <laughs> That's what you say. Is like people always ask, they go, "What kind of drugs were you on?" And back then, we couldn't afford them. Um, but, so you uh, huffed glue, is what you're saying? <laughs> yes, exactly. A lot of drugs. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of sharpie smelling. Yeah. yeah, a lot of sharpies. Yeah. Um, and like I say, we, you know, we didn't have any distracting paying work going on, so we just said, "Look, you know, at this point, you know, inspired by you know Jack Kirby and Dave Sim, who was a, you know one of our big idols as a self-publisher, we said, let's just, you know, we want to do comics. Let's just do one for ourselves, so we don't." sell a single copy and nobody you know we don't care we're doing it we're writing it for ourselves and that's you know that's when we started on the first issue 1983 came out May of 1984 and you made this comic not with the thought of we're gonna sell it we're gonna like you literally just made it just because comedians are oftentimes like late night in like late night in the comedy club we're all kind of trying to play a little private game of can you top this and everyone's tagging their own jokes but you're, you're literally just doing the show for you guys until there's there's always one moment where some comic will say something and then every comic will kind of look at each other like alright who's taking that like who's writing that down <laughs> who gets to make that part of your act and you guys essentially were doing that but with drawing like like you said you do, do the initial drawing he one up you and then you were like okay I'm gonna do this and then and that, that's amazing to me because you're just you're just doing it for fun. Yeah, it, totally. We were doing it for fun, and, and we actually we printed it in this really tiny uh, printer in Do- right in our hometown, Dover, New Hampshire. At the time, I had a $500 income tax return. We cleaned out all $250 of Pete's bank account. We owed $1,000 from my uncle. Um, we had enough to print exactly 3,000 comics. And you know, when we got the boxes of books back from the printer, we literally made furniture out of them in our studio because we were so sure we wouldn't sell any of them. So we had a yeah. you know, issue number one coffee table, issue number one end tables, and they were yeah. stacked all over the place. Now, when you borrowed the thousand dollars from your uncle, I want to know the pitch you gave him, where it's like you walk up like, Uncle, I'm gonna be, I got this idea. Yeah. Was- all right. You know the slowest animal on the planet? What if it could? Fight like a ninja. And then your uncle's like, I'm checking you into rehab right now. I don't care how much glue you've been huffing. Yeah, well, I started with a bottle of tequila. Um, <laughs> no, actually, my uncle was awesome. He actually he used to sell art supplies, so that's like we used to get all oh. our art supplies from him. And uh, um, my grandmother was a, was a painter, and you know, so my, my talents inherited, I just focused it on comic books. And we wrote a little business plan, Pete and I, and we said, you know, this is what we're going to do, and if it sells, we'll pay you back sooner. If it doesn't sell, you know, I'll 
keep working in restaurants until we get you paid back. And he was he took the leap of faith and he, he gave us a check. So, for uh, so you guys, you that was what you were doing while you were uh, uh, starting to draw was working at restaurants. Yeah, I worked at restaurants uh, because you know um, you could eat at the restaurant. You yeah. had a day off. You stop by the restaurant to pick up your check and grab some food while you're there. Yeah, and left, gave me money left over to buy art supplies so I could draw. Yeah, and this was in New York. No, this is in. Uh, I live. I grew up in Maine, and okay. uh, the first studio was in Dover, New Hampshire. This tiny, tiny little town. I mean, that's pretty much the town where everyone knows. Yeah. Like, well, if you want to make a comic book, you go to Dover, New Hampshire. I've heard it said a million times. <laughs> yeah, it's in the air. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I always laugh because you know we used to when the Turtles first came out and, and got popular, and you know it's a cartoon show, and we one of the first interviews we did this this woman asked us. Let me see, Ninja Turtles, you guys must be black belts, and uh, you live in New York, because the place takes place in New York. And I was like, I had never been to New York in my entire life at that point. I, all my versions of New York were either stolen from Frank Miller comic books or Jack Kirby comic books. And I said, if, Mar- if a black, being a black belt means I've watched every Bruce Lee movie ever made and every David Carradine kung fu TV series, sure. yeah, I'm a black belt. <laughs> So yeah. I was like, doing a comic book about something I knew nothing about, taking a place in a place I'd never been to. So, Were there comics or uh, cartoons, or what was kind of the inspiration to even start, um, you know, sketching something that wasn't, like, because I used to doodle and draw for a long time, but never really, animals, just like weird looking people with like, you know, big noses and curly hair, lots of Jews, I guess. <laughs> and I was just, uh, but I was. Big curly hair. Oh, you were just sketching your uncle. I was just sketching my family. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but but so like what like what were your influences? I guess that, that at least got you into uh, like for you know comedy. Obviously, like we have our comedic idols. And, you know Eddie Murphy. Uh, you know uh, yeah, Carlin Pryor. All yeah, all, all yeah. those guys. But like you say, Jack Kirby. Uh, for those, uh, I mean. Adam and I, obviously huge nerds, we know who Jack Kirby is, but for the people in the audience that don't, that are just the, you know, the casual fans, you peasants! Um, for those people, can you explain who can you explain who Jack Kirby is or was? I'm, I'm not sure if he's still alive. <laughs> uh, no, he, unfortunately he passed away, but Jack Kirby okay. was, um, you, you know, most people know <clears throat> the Marvel Universe through, you know, Stan Lee represents the Marvel Universe, yeah. but yeah. Stan Lee was the president of the company and Jack Kirby was like the main creative force between, behind every single Marvel character, just about every single Marvel character done that you see, you know, wow. the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Thor, um, he was just a, a genius, uh, not only in, in, in his drawing style um, and his approach to storytelling, very dynamic, very powerful. Uh, but my favorite um, Kirby period was he worked for DC comic books for a short period of time, and um, he did this comic book called Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth. Um, <laughs> and I loved it because you know, the first movie I ever saw um, in, in a theater when I was growing up in Maine, small town of Maine, um, was Planet of the Apes. And it was like, yeah. blew my mind, like, holy shit. Stuff. What and, about uh, it? And, um, but um, Charlton Heston. Oh, you know, just a, you know, the, it was after you know post-apocalyptic. The yeah. humans were slaves, and the apes ruled, and and that's what Jack Kirby did with Commandy. He sort of took it one step farther, and it was like all the animals, all these mutant animals ruled the earth. It was gorillas and tigers, and you know, and the humans were slaves, except for this one boy who was trapped in this um, in this bunker throughout all the devastation. He comes up, and he's literally the last boy on earth. Growing up where I grew up in Maine, I was definitely the last boy on earth. So. Yeah, I mean, so, what, what do you do in like? It, I was about to say why'd you be, why'd you get into drawing and art and creating all these characters, but then when, when you talk about how you grew up in the small town of Maine, it's like, oh, you had to draw your friends. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there, there, was there were none else there. We had, like, cow, we had cows, and yeah, it's like you. It's like you and lobsters. Yeah. Like that was pretty much it. Like so. that's it. That's no. I mean, our town was. Uh, I mean, everybody knew everybody. We had our downtown was a store that was also the gas station, 
and that's it. We had one stop sign, uh, and wow. that's it. It was like so. so I, you know, I would sit up in my room and, and, and draw all the time because there was nothing else to do. But I loved it. I loved reading comic books and drawing. And How many hours at one time would you sit and draw? Could you draw? You know, according to my mother, um, <laughs> all the time. No, it was it was it was probably four or five hours a day because you know my mother used to come up and you know. How much of that time was masturbating? To be honest. Well, that you know <laughs> that came later. It was yeah. about women. And. Um, but no, I remember my, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite compliments. My mother uh, came up to my room one time, and I'm, again, sitting in a stack of comic books, drawing pictures, drawing my own uh, characters, and she said, you better be good at that because you're not good at anything else. Um, <laughs> oh, get off the oh, floor. <laughs> you're like, I thought about that, and I was like... You're like, Mom, you haven't seen me masturbate. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can hit the ceiling. <laughs> I can hit the ceiling. <laughs> I'm a master. Yeah. But, uh, so, okay, so... so that is a powerful sentence coming from your mother, mm. and that can be something that could probably deter you from doing it, right? Maybe that adds pressure and takes away from the fun, because you're like, oh, this is just a fun hobby at the time, right? You weren't thinking of bigger... Well, that was the, you know, that was the thing. I really, in my mind, um, you know, I was such a huge fan. I, we keep talking about Jack Kirby, but I was so obsessed with, um, uh, you know drawing and creating my own stories because I, I mean like I said the town was really small and there's nothing else to do it was my form of escapism it's yeah. like you know and I thought like whatever I could write whatever I could say whatever I could draw um, sitting there on this you know whatever I could create on this page I can go there and I can go to all these places I can draw these creatures and adventures past, present, future um, and that just you know I was obsessed that's what I wanted to do and they really thought I would never you know we're going to have one of those kids that is going to live in the basement for the rest of his life around the stacks of comic books and, and uh, this is all he's going to be good for <laughs> and, but, but you you obviously use that as I guess motivation or like yeah even that you know it, it's funny because I was you know this was when I was younger and, and I remember when I graduated high school and I was looking into art schools and, and my dad at the time and, and I look back at it as another positive reinforcement he said I'll, I'll help pay for, for college if you go to any kind of school except art school, because um, oh. he's like he said like you never you know an artist you know they're not gonna yeah, starving be support, artist yeah, yeah. you're a starving artist you gotta live in the basement you're never gonna be able to support a family you need to learn a trade you know and that's the way you know he grew up and was he a he-man guy why was he so anti <laughs> you creating another crime fighting. Uh, team. <laughs> well, I think he was just—he didn't think it was practical. Yeah. I mean, he grew up, you know, very old-fashioned. I mean, again, it was a small town in Maine, and you know, uh, hard-working values. You, yeah. you get up, you go to work, you provide for your family. I mean, when they were my mom and dad, when they were 21, 22 years old, they had four kids. You know, and it's like I—I I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't take care of myself at that age. Oh no. You know? um, be be honest. Tatsu was based on your dad, right? The guy, the guy, the guy just crunched in the first movie. Ooh. I love that character. No, it's just so funny because we just did a, we did a screening uh, recently, and I, I did live commentary in front of like an audience of two hundred people. I, yeah. This was like, the most annoying thing in the world to me was watching the movie in front of this audience and then talking all behind the scenes of what happened and this and that. But that guy literally could speak no English. Um, really? He, sp- oh. he spoke no English at all. So that's why most of the time when he spoke so little, it was like they would basically feed him a line and he could go, you go, play. And that was yeah, it. Yeah, for Ninja Banish. Yeah, Ninja Banish. <laughs> <laughs> which he actually probably, maybe that's all he could say. Yeah. That. You know, that's actually perfect for the movie. Yeah, so. that's so ironic, but that's the only two words you know. Because <laughs> uh, you're actually going to have to tell them to get out of here. Wow, so he was kind of like Steven Spielberg's Jaws shark, where it's like <laughs> the fact that the Jaws never worked. Like, yeah. like the shark never worked, but then that just added to the mystery and the, 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 the movie. Basically what I'm saying is... 
<laughs> he's the Jaws of Turtle World? What? Uh, but, wow, that, that's an amazing behind-the-scenes uh, note. When, now, when you have these first, what would you say, 3,000 issues? Yeah. Yeah, it, when you have these first 3,000 issues and you're in New Hampshire, where do you even go to sell them? Do you have, like, a lemonade stand with, like, a picture of a Ninja Turtle? Or, like, what do you do? Well, we, I mean, initially we wanted to sell them, you know, we put an ad that was a, um, a comic book uh, Trade newspaper called the Comic Spires Guy. Newspaper? What, what's that? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Back in the day, kids, back in the things day. called newspapers. <laughs> anyway. But we put one out in there. We figured we'd sell them a dollar fifty a copy plus fifty cents postage. Um, yeah. And then we, it's funny because we did a actual, uh, there was a small comic convention in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, the next town over. Um, and uh, when it was uh, May 5th, and, and, and we invited all of our friends and family, so it looked like we had a crowd around the table. Yeah. Um, oh. But then there's, um, at that time, there's a, a, a part of the comics distribution network um, is a, a series of distributors that distribute just to comic book stores, not to newsstands where you see, but it's just to, to newsstands. And they saw the ad and they started calling us and say, hey, we've got comic stores that would like to buy you a book. And we were like, uh, we don't know how this works, um, you know. <laughs> and they're like, uh, "You just send us the comic. We'll eventually send you money." Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> and you're so, like, I'm sure they're honest. <laughs> but yeah, so we, yeah, we did. Uh, so we, the first issue actually sold out in a couple of weeks, and then I wow. went back to cooking lobsters for the summer because that was a. Uh, that was my summertime job. Could you so. be any more Maine? Exactly. Could you like? <laughs> well, I was like, you know, in Maine, you, you know, there was there was a lot of trees and a lot of lobsters, and if you wanted to eat and stay warm in the winter, you worked from Memorial Day to Labor Day, you know, yeah. ninety hours a week, saved every penny so you could survive the winter. Oh <laughs> crap! Keep you know, you're in the house. Yeah, because like the second book didn't come out right away. It was what a year later. Eight yeah, it was, later? it was not. Yeah, nineteen eighty five um, was when the second issue came out, and I remember because you know I did you know the first issue came out in May, then I went and cooked lobsters for the summer, and I remember Pete called me in the fall, and he said uh, he said these comic book stores keep calling, they want to know when we're going to do a second issue, and we were like. We never thought the first issue would sell, so we never yeah. thought of doing a second issue. Yeah, um, you legitimately didn't. You were just like, we this was fun. Yeah. We did it. Yeah, back to lobster. Back to lobster. Wow. <laughs> back Which, to reality. You know, yeah. we still, you know, you still drew, and you, you know, I mean, I still had other ideas and stuff. I wanted to do comic books, but we never thought that that would work the way it did. And I always love talking about the second issue because it was, you know, when we put out the solicitation through the distribution network and got the orders in, it was for fifteen thousand copies. And Pete called all excited. He'd done the math, and he said, you know. If we do six of these a year and they sell 15,000 each, we can make about 2,000 each um, uh, pre-tax. We can eat all the macaroni and cheese we want. We can, we can draw comic books for living. And basically, I quit every other job at drawing comic books in January of 1985. And, well, mac and cheese is an incredible motivator. I still, <laughs> I still eat a lot of it. You I mean, you shout out to Kraft. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I love how that's what they dangled in front. Like, that's what he dangled in front of you that made you get up off your ass. It's like, well, we can accomplish our dream. Okay, maybe, maybe not. You can eat all the mac and cheese you want. Where is my sign? <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, now, and we're, and excuse me if this is common knowledge and I'm just, being ignorant, but like, who were the villains in the first one? Like, was Shredder in the first? Yep. So Shredder was in the first issue. Yeah, actually, shit is a, you love this. The origin story of Shredder. When we started working on the, uh, you know, putting together the origin story of the turtles. All right, here's a rat that just happened to be in the sewer that these turtles fell into with this uh, canister of ooze, and they all get exposed to it. All right, who's going to be the bad guy? And um, literally, um, uh, Pete's wife is a great cook. She'd cook dinner, and then Pete would, Pete and I would do the dishes. So he's washing the dishes, and I'm drying. And you know those uh, rectangular cheese graters, those yeah, metal things? Yeah, and I'm yeah. like drying this cheese grater. I got my hand up inside it, and I was like, 
man, could you imagine a bad guy with this on his arms? He would like literally grate your skin off. We could call yeah. him like the grater or something. And Pete no. goes, that's stupid. How about the shredder? And we went, yeah. By the so way, I love, I love that that's how it, I mean, that's incredible. But when you first started that story, you were like, Pete's wife. And I was like, oh, Shredder's based on Pete's, Pete's wife. wife. <laughs> that she is, I hope he does. That is her She name. was evil. Her <laughs> name was actually uh, Yamato Yoshi. And, uh, that's yeah. it. That's, I mean, like, that's thank incredible. Thank God it was something threatening, like a cheat, like something actually sharp. Because, like, if you had held up a wooden spoon, I know it was like Spoon Man. Spoon yeah. Man. We 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 can call him the Spooner. He just he hugs you to death. He wants to cuddle and have a serious relationship. The Salad Shooter. <laughs> I mean, well, that was my gay porn name. <laughs> now, uh, sorry, kids in the audience. <laughs> now wait. Okay, so I I want to. Uh, comment on how quickly you were like, all right, so Splinter and this rat, they find the ooze and whatever. That is, did that story come to you quickly? Are you so tapped into creatively, like, I, I mean, even just uh, putting on the um, cheese grater and thinking of a character like that quickly, do you think that um, just the amount of time you're dedicating to the craft that your brain, like the way that we do stand up all the time, you get conditioned to just see and find the funny in things. So like, are you so wrapped into that world that, uh, that story just, you thought of it and kind of came out in one. Well, it it was, uh, it was really, you know, we stole everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's how you do it. No, you know, think of that. It's like, um, you know, like I said, you know, Planet of the Apes was my favorite movie. So you have this mutant component, Jack Kirby's Commandy, um, Dave Sims Cerebus was a you know Dave Sims started Cerebus it was this aardvark um, set in like Conan the Barbarian he used to you know ride around acting like Conan the Barbarian that was just the dumbest coolest thing ever and um, so you, you know same thing but with a turtle doing a like yeah yeah. yeah, we had like you know, there's you know, we read X Men, we read you know, uh, you said, the Fantastic uh, Four. So Daredevil was influencing the oh, huge origin story. Yeah, Daredevil was a big, really big part of it. it was, yeah, because uh, that because Daredevil got created by. Uh, toxic chemicals hitting him, and then all of a sudden he has these senses. So that so that was essentially the ooze. Oh yeah, no, that was in, to me because Daredevil. You know, out of a lot of comic characters, I like Daredevil was by far one of my favorites, and <clears throat> it always bugged me that you know after um, young Matt Murdock got struck uh, near the eyes by this radioactive canister being transported on this truck to the middle of yeah. New York City, like it often is. Um, they never <laughs> said what happened to the canister. Um, oh. So as a joke, we said, I said, you know, this was our. We didn't think anyone was going to read this comic book anyway, so let's pour our love and, and respect and the things we loved about comics growing up into this story. So we took that part of the Daredevil origin, had the canister continue bouncing down the street, and this poor kid standing precariously close to a sewer opening holding a terrarium with four turtles, and the canister hits the terrarium, and that's where it started. So, I mean, New Mutants, X-Men, Fantastic Four, you know, everything from everywhere that we loved growing up all went into this comic book. We took did, bits and pieces. How'd you name them? Because, I mean... Superhero names are Batman, Superman, Daredevil, and you're like, let's name them after classical artists. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't see, you, you're like, you, you don't see that in other comic books. There's not like another superhero whose name is Aristotle who hangs out with Plato, and like, like that's not a thing. So, like, how do you come up with the artists? Well, that was I was uh, um, growing up um, because I loved uh, um, art and you know anything to do with art. I loved history, um, and even in, in high school. Um, uh, 
my senior year, I did this painting, uh, uh, this mural in my high school, which is still up there. Um, it was my tribute to Leonardo da Vinci, um, mm-hmm. you know, the Mona Lisa and all that stuff. And so when Pete and I were coming up with names, it was like, well, traditional Asian name seems appropriate, but, you know, we're talking about mutant ninja turtles. It's got to be something stupider. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> I think I have the self-awareness to do it like, all right, we can't make this too smart. Yeah, we can't. No, so it was like Doug, Bob, Steve, still wasn't funny enough. <laughs> Doug the Ninja Turtle. (laughs) That's awesome. This this is Steve. (laughs) Um, So I just blurted out. I said, what about, you know, something really crazy like Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo. And Pete laughed. He said, yeah, that's really stupid. That's perfect. Um, So it was Leonardo, Michelangelo and and Raphael were the easiest ones. And then we had a debate for a while about um, Donatello versus Bernini because I like Bernini as a sculptor better. So Donatello was almost named Bernini. Wow, I think I ate at Bernini's last week. Like, that just sounds like... That's what that smell is. Oh, sorry. That's so cool. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and I'm glad that you went that route and not, like, named after, like, if it was, like, DiGiorno and Luca de Beppo. Or, like, you know. uh, but so, and then where does Splinter come into play? Like, how do you... Where does that character uh, derive from? It was well, we were looking for, you know, this goes back to the Daredevil origin. Yeah. Um, Daredevil's mentor was a guy named Stick, which, you know, if you've seen the, in the Netflix TV show series, which is awesome. But in the, in the comic series that Frank Miller did, uh, Daredevil's uh, teacher was Stick. And so Stick, mm-hmm. Splinter. Um, oh, wow. Even like uh, Daredevil's um, main uh, ninja clan that he fought was called, uh, it was called The Hand. Oh, so uh, the we, foot clan. We have the foot. Oh, holy crap. Um, Does Marvel know this? <laughs> you know, I, 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 like, I, are, are you going to get sued if we <laughs> release this podcast? You know? I don't want that to happen. But you know what, though? Even just like saying it like the foot clan just sounds way cooler than, you know, the yeah. hand. Well, yeah. The hand, uh, uh, that, 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 yeah, that sounds like a bunch of chronic team masturbators. You know, they're just the hand. See, that's the second masturbation joke. What I'm trying to say is that I need to get laid, people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, you know, and, and that was, and I think, you know, I met Stan Lee, you know, years ago, and we were talking about that, and he brought it up. He goes, he said, yeah, I almost sued you over that. But it was, uh, <laughs> wow. um, but I think it was, you know, it fell into parody, and there was so many other yep. elements that were, sure. you know, the, the original components and so much other stuff that we stole from so many other comic books um, that they couldn't pin down a lawsuit or he didn't. Do it at that time. Yeah, so. right. Statue of limitations, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're safe now. And you, and you, uh, you knew all along you wanted to be a rat, or how did that? Yeah, well, that was you know, which is the story evolves. You know, you, th- you know, okay, they go into the sewer, the New York City sewer system. What's down there? You know, an alligator didn't make sense to eat them. Yeah, right. Know? So it's like uh, there's lots of rats down there. So that was. And you and you wanted to be another animal though that was going to yeah. be their mentor. Yeah. 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 So uh, that's awesome. And then, uh, like, so then you have. <laughs> And then the second issue sells, mm-hmm. and is that when you kind of go, holy shit, I think we got something here? Well, it, you, well, you know, we were just so thrilled that, you know, um, you didn't have to wash dishes or cook or do anything, and we were just drawing. Um, but each issue after that, the sales went up a little more and a little more and a little more. So by the, like the end of 1985, we were selling like 60,000, 70,000 copies of, you know, a Whoa. black and white comic book with a two color cover basically and oh it wasn't color at that point no no we just because we can afford color and it was uh, so it was like two color cover it wasn't until issue five that we actually did a, a color cover on and then comics. in the first color one the masks weren't even different colors right they were all yeah. red yeah they were all red that keeps it you know let me see we did 8045 so around 86 80 early 87 we started working on the on the cartoon show because the, the comic books were selling and we were approached a few different times to like hey we think this would be a great toy for kids and, and, and a cartoon show and we were like 
you know, it barely worked as a comic book. Even at 70,000 copy sales, it's, yeah. it, you know, you, the whole United States, it's just a tiny amount of people that are fans of it. Um, and that was one of the things. So we sat down, we went to LA a bunch of times, since we had full control, full say, full rights over what was done with the turtles or not done with the turtles. And so we're sitting down and they were like, well, how can you tell them apart? And we're like, you know the weapons, duh. Right. Uh, and no. And they said, "Typical like nerd comic book guy. Like, uh, obviously, one has a side. <laughs> exactly. One has a staff. One has a sword. Ah, Jesus. Jesus. Uh, oh, and, you know, and so they said, you know, it'd be great because it's, you know, it's going to be a full color cartoon. And, and Pete actually came up with the idea, and he said, "Well, what if we did the the bandanas different colors?" And yeah, you know. So you started was, Gang Wars, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> like <laughs> blood, like Bloods and Crips were watching Ninja Turtles, going, "Yo, that's a good idea, man." <laughs> Yo, like we took, like we, like we totally Raphael, man. We gonna fuck up Leonardo. <laughs> Holy shit! And, and, I'm, I'm curious too, though. Like when the sales numbers grow, do you start to feel the pressure of like we need to uh, really, uh, or, uh, you know, just step everything up, or are you still operating from a place of like, well, this is fun. Let's just, it's cool. Like you said, like we don't have to, uh, uh, you know, work at the restaurant anymore. We just get to keep drawing, and it's fun. Or are you like, all right, now we need to really like think outside the box and. You know, it was, no, well, our approach was, you know, the way we approached the first book, again, assuming that nobody was going to to, to read it, so we wrote it for ourselves, so what we liked and what we didn't like, so each issue we just, you know, um, wrote the stories that we thought were interesting, that we thought, you know, that we'd enjoy reading, and we just hoped that other people would enjoy them as well, so we we kept that kind of going all along, it was just sort of like, this is interesting to us, and so hopefully they like it. And that is like a great, I mean, in comedy too, like we've heard, I've even heard Jim Carrey say this, like, uh, and it always resonates, is that when he's trying to find his comedic voice, like, don't, like, do what you think is funny, and eventually, like, you know, that's how you find your style and your voice, but if you're trying to appease to the the masses and doing, like, trying to, you know, be like, oh, you guys probably like this, then you're not... Developing your own style, so it's exactly the same thing. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's like you, you know, you gotta, you know, if it makes you laugh, then you gotta put it out there, and hopefully, you know, mm-hmm. other people um, laugh as well. Yeah, and in <clears> the <throat> in the original, don't worry, put that in. Uh, in the original books, um, the, the turtles were actually pretty violent. Like, yeah. I, I I remember reading one where it's like, yeah, you saw Leonardo fucking stabbing people, and you saw blood, <laughs> and you saw like. So when they come to you to make a cartoon, I'm assuming they're saying, oh yeah, don't have so much stabbing. Like, did <laughs> yeah. they, like was that a note for you guys? And then if they give that note, do you then have a meaning like, do we, do we really want to water down our product or yeah. do we want to stick to the original, like how it was? Well, we were really lucky in that, you know, I think they, with the black and white comic books, even, you know, long after the, the cartoons and the toys and, and, and the movies came out, that we kept the black and white comic books the way we'd originally always done them and they mm-hmm. you know, I think they felt that audience was small enough but and again those were written for ourselves so when we knew that we when we were going into the cartoon show that we were writing for you know five six seven eight year old kids yeah um, so we softened up you know and Pete and I came up with it with the writers and agreed to you know like the changing of the bandanas and things like um, you know broadcast standards and practices you know you can't have Leonardo hacking up real human beings on Saturday morning TV. Um, so we turn the foot soldiers into robots. And you can smash, you know, you can hack up robots all day long, yeah, sure. aliens or that kind of stuff. So we were able to, you know, sort of up the humor uh, a bit more, still have, you know, like the Shredder is kind of really 
goofy and a little idiotic in yeah. the cartoon show and right. soften some of the edges. But uh, I mean, but still voiced by James Avery, who awesome. played Uncle Phil on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So, I mean... He was awesome. I think uh, Will Smith owes you a check. That's all I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, you okay. got that. How, how did the um, uh, casting for the cartoon... Because you, you were mentioning uh, before we started... Just being involved in every aspect of, uh, you know, movies, cartoons. So, like, did you audition a lot of uh, voices and were there other options that you got close on? Or There were, there were I mean, because, you know, again, we were very lucky, um, like, you know, like Jack Kirby wasn't when, you know, the exploitation of the characters he created, co-created, um, that we had full say. So they sent us, um, uh, they'd sent us samples of, of different voice talent. Um, with the, the the animation studio said I we like these and here's some other ones and, and it ended up you know being the ones that, that they chose but like I remember when we've got these um, three samples of the Turtles theme song in by this um, up and coming uh, uh, songwriter named Chuck Lorre um, Two and a Half Men's Chuck Lorre yeah Big Bang Theory's Chuck Lorre guy wow. who owns Hollywood Chuck Lorre Chuck Lorre he wrote the Turtles theme song for the no film. shit oh, what he did Chuck Lorre wrote the theme song for the original Turtles cartoon Wow! That's just like, okay, you want James Avery and Chuck Lorre? Oh my god. That theme song might, I mean, I almost feel like it's when everybody else heard that and goes, Oh, now we have to make a great theme song because it set the bar so high. It was was, was really neat. I, you know, I met him within the last year. Um, and uh, you know, just never had the opportunity. But we went and watched a taping of Big Bang, and we got to meet him. He came over, and he just said, "You know, I just have to thank you because um, after that, that's you guys accepted that song, and it became uh, you know part of the show. That my daughter thought I was cool for <laughs> the longest time. That was a bra- those were her bragging rights. And my wow. dad wrote the theme and, song for the Ninja Turtle. And then he would tell her like, "Just wait till I start hanging out with Charlie Sheen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Cocaine and whores. What? <laughs> You're fine. I mean, no." Uh, so- so then, so the uh, the cartoon, uh, it you guys. I mean, again, you're going into this being like, okay, cool. Well, another cool opportunity that has come from uh, us drawing these characters, and and but again, are you thinking like, oh, this is now we've made it. Like this cartoon's gonna blow up, and then we do movies, or are you just like focus on the now, like make a great show? It was definitely focused on the now because I remember, you know, it's, it's, remember you got things like um, TV Guy. Remember TV Guy? Yeah, TV <laughs> Guy. Even, even when we were working on. Um, the actual cartoon show we never thought you know this is never actually going to be on the air you know yeah. they're wow. really going to show it as a five part episode and then we saw it in the TV guide and we're like you know holy shit this is actually going to be Trio. on TV yeah. TV uh, guide kids is before <laughs> you had DVR we just typed in like is there anything involving ninjas and reptiles uh, you actually looked through a TV guide and said a little book that said what time everything was on and then and that's when you're like oh I have to be home at Three o'clock, because that's when Saved by the Bell. <laughs> but then, and so the, the first five cartoon episodes aired between uh, uh, Christmas holiday '87 through you know uh, yeah. into '88, and they only made five episodes, um, and they did good enough in the ratings that they said, okay, we'll make eight more, which you know you get in 13 episodes for the fall of that year. And once that worked, then the toy company said, well, there's a bit of a following. Let's go ahead and make the toys. And I, I remember in June of that year, 1988, when the toys came out, that we still didn't believe that they actually were going to be in a toy store. Right. So uh, we heard they were out. KB Toys was the, the, the chain, big chain at that time. So rest in peace. Rest That's in where I got all my turtle toys. Oh, yeah. toys. Yeah. <laughs> we drove down to, from Northampton down to Springfield, Massachusetts, to the closest KB, and it was like literally walking through the, the, the store towards the action figure out. Just as we get there, this mom's kind of dragging this young boy out of the aisle saying, no, I'm not buying you one of those stupid Ninja Turtles. Um, and we you're, were like, you're like, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck back there and get, get a, a turtle. I need 
minutes of new sneakers. <laughs> uh, no, and that was we would that was sort of like a, a, a shot to the head. If you you know, it's like this is real. It's really here. And now if people buy them and yeah. and then, so like by Christmas of '88, the the cartoon shows were out, the the toys were out, and they were selling like crazy. And we were going like, you know. Like, <laughs> What was the first uh, toy? Because again, we were talking about the, the when the blimp came out and the cheapskate and the the van. Uh, what, what was the first one that you guys sat down with? Like, this has got to be the first thing we introduce, along with the figurines of the characters. Well, it's like they, you know, with the toy company, it's because like, it's so, you know, even in those days. I mean, even the, like the Mount of Cartoon Show. I mean, they still painted those cells by hand in those days. There was like one hundred and thirty thousand cells to make up one twenty-two minute commercial. I mean, yes. TV show. Um, and then with the toys, it's a lot of tooling and manufacturing. So they made like the you know the main action figures, you know Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, Foot Soldiers, and the main you know Turtles in April, uh, and then a couple you know vehicles and accessories, and mm-hmm. that sold. So the next year they were like the big place that's going to be introduced, which is that blimp that never stayed inflated. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't want to the, say anything, but like, here's the chance. That thing sucked. No, uh, no, it was great. And you always tell the stories like back in the early days when the you know when, when things got really successful, we'd yep. go to these signings and uh, there would be this young person in front of us um, wanting an autograph, yeah. and he's you know the person's really excited. He's going to get an autograph, and behind them would be this really disgruntled parent going like. <laughs> Do you know how much money I spent on those stupid Ninja Turtle toys? <laughs> how many, you know, Christmas Eves I stayed up putting that stupid sewer playset together? How many times I, you know, gone to the restroom in the middle of the night, stepped on Leonardo's sword? And, you know, and, uh, and then you told me that one parent actually told you, could you please tell my kid to stop going in the sewers because the turtles aren't real? Yeah, they, would, they like, they go, my, my son, it was a, they, my son goes, every sewer, uh, um, manhole cover or anything yeah. to go by he like stops and yells down there like hello turtle it's like cause they, and they said tell them that they're not real and that you know I don't want them to go down in the sewer and get trapped or yeah I, I don't think I will be able to ever start a uh, college fund if I have kids because of the amount of quarters I spent on the Ninja Turtles arcade game I love that game uh, I mean that game literally I probably three four hours and then like that was also such a bonding game too because like when you would go to an arcade you would like p- different people would rotate in and so like you would be like cool man like hop in we're like almost a fucking crank and then like <laughs> kids would come in and then like you just like bond a friendship if you like beat the I remember this one time it was just like myself and it was at somebody's birthday party and three other kids that weren't at the party and we all ended up like you know getting to the end together and we all kind of looked at each other at the end we're just kind of like all right, well, I'll see you maybe, probably never, but this was awesome. <laughs> we just shared something special. Yeah, it was incredible that that like, game brought it, but like again, like some of you guys probably had a hand in, yeah? Yeah, it was, you know, to us it was, um, you know, it, it was kind of the right timing for, for so many things in that, you know, you know, Turtles comic book showed up at the right time, the cartoon show at the right time, technology for, for home, uh, um, uh, you know, video game systems, you know, just came out around that time, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Atari and stuff. But I love, you know, and arcades were still a big thing. I mean, we went there and played pinball and they started seeing, you know, Space Invaders and Centipedes and then, you know, but the coolest thing about what I loved about the Turtles arcade game, like you said, four people could play it. So you yeah. could all play it. And, yes. Uh, it was, yeah. It was fantastic. But yeah. Was, and there, there, there's always one kid that would always like say, can I play? And then he would suck at the game. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, you're not pulling your weight, Jeremy. <laughs> it was yeah. awesome. Uh, and, and then like now the turtle name and those toys were just on everything. And like 
There were slippers and sleeping bags and action backpacks. figures, backpacks, lunchbox. Like, yeah, was there anything you turned down? Because like, even Gene Simmons from Kiss is like, wow, your name's on a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really inside joke. I guess what Brad is asking, was there a uh, ninja dildo that was brought up <laughs> by some company? Was there ninja turtle butt plugs? <laughs> <laughs> or a, sh- a vibrator called the shredder? <laughs> no, nobody would buy that. Uh, you never know. So, you never, some girl in the audience just went, oh. <laughs> That would hurt. <laughs> Bless her heart. I mean, it's two that I can remember that I know that, that came up that, you know, uh, um, was there was a, an offer to do turtle uh, condoms. Um, they were at, <laughs> can I be design. honest? What a bottom. They had, yeah. They had shell design and, like, glue in the, glowed in the dark or something like that. <laughs> and, and we were like, you know. Oh, that gives whole new meaning to the word ooze. It was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> This one stops the use. <laughs> and uh, the other one was uh, um, Ninja Turtle yarmulkes. Yarmulkes? Ninja Turtle yarmulkes? So, like, they the yarmulke like, would be a shell. There was this company that, that approached our agent, and he said that they were doing a line of, like, Batman. They yeah. were pro- proposing to do, like, you know, Batman, Simpsons, Turtle yarmulkes to make them cooler for, for young, you know. Yeah, so yeah. To, to feel better about wearing it. And, you know, my, Adam, we how was, mad are you that they did not I'd still be yarmulke. wearing my turtle yarmulke <laughs> if they had made those. I mean, I think it would have converted a lot of kids to Judaism. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think a lot of, like, like Buddhist kids would come home with turtle yarmulkes <laughs> and freak their parents out. They're like, whoa, it's cool enough for Michelangelo. He's a party dude. <laughs> I want to have a party, so, yeah, tur- turtle yarmulkes. You guys will love this. Actually, one of the first, um, uh, the first proposals for the... For a movie was from Roger Corman's. I think it was New World Pictures at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we said no to it, um, but it was a cool idea. It was um, uh, Billy Crystal, uh, Sam Kennison, Gallagher, um, and Bobcat Goldway. Wow, Mary Fuck Kill. We're gonna be we're gonna be painted green, paint their faces green, wear the masks, have a shell thing on, and they in the I still have the script somewhere. It was a treatment, and they were fighting these semi-nude roller skating nuns that were like the ninja characters, and there was this whole. What really the bad fuck? take. Um, so it's like a like a not not even a B movie. Like no, it wasn't a C even, movie. He just you know Roger Corman said, "Hey, I bet they'll go for this," and he sent it to us, and we said no immediately. But that oh, was, so, that was you, so you didn't. Have, did, I mean, once the movie um, world started to become a reality, did you have ideas of like? I mean, you probably knew what you didn't want, which was that. But I mean, were you thinking? <laughs> were you thinking of like, oh no, like when we do start getting into that um, realm of possibility, like it should be. I mean, what the first movie was? Yeah, no, that was well. We were very, you know, things were moving so fast at, at that time, and, and you know, we were in control of it, but holding on for dear life, if you will. And, and there was, uh, you know, the, the toys kept selling, the cartoon shows kept going and, and getting more popular. And they were, you know, people approached us to do a. They said, "Well, we got to do a live action movie," and we were like, "This, you know, look, comic books are drawn, animation is drawn, toys are." You know, based on those things, how are you going to bring these things to life to actually make them believable yeah. uh, at that time period? Yeah. With technology CGI that didn't really exist at that point. No, no, exactly. Everything was all in camera and stuff. And so when uh, it was uh, Golden Harvest was the parent company, uh, New Line Cinema just had had success with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and had some money, and they uh, put together uh, Steve Barron, who's the director. And, and you know, when we did research on Steve, uh, you know, he did Dire Straits, you know, Money for Nothing, you know, highly creative, highly visual yeah. ideas, um, uh, Michael Jackson's Billy Jean, uh, the AHA video, Take on Me, wow. and he'd also done a lot of work with Jim Henson, and so he, Steve brought um, Henson in, he brought Todd Langdon, who wrote for the Wonder Years, and 
our first meeting with him, he'd literally gone through our original black and white comic book and said, you know, issue one, issue nine, which was, uh, I mean, it, Leonardo one shot in issues 10 and 11 was the basic skeleton of the story. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to hit it sort of right in the middle. Like, here's the black and white comic books on the far left. Here's the cartoon on the far right. We want it right in the middle. So it's something for all ages. So right. we get kind of all fans. And he was the architect of that. And he brought Henson in because, wow. you know, if, you know, if you didn't believe in the turtles if they you know if you couldn't get past like okay we know that's a person in a rubber suit but right. if you can't get past that and then and and you know and you didn't have any trepidations about being like oh, jim Henson, like yeah he makes me you know want to learn the alphabet from a giant fucking bird but like <laughs> may, like does will that translate to what we've created um but i guess because you know he, the animatronic stuff that he did with you guys like that was innovative yeah he, yeah most of it was um, I mean there was so much of it that was literally created just for the to bring the turtles to life and sure. we you know through the development process the main creature shop was based in London at the time and they would they were doing these full size sculptures um, you know what they would look like and uh, they would do they would send us tests of what they came up with for the electronics and what was amazing about the turtles is that the only way that you could make these electronics work in this turtle head was to have this massive Ghostbusters style backpack that yeah. ran it and they could cover it by the shell oh. so it worked and even like you know silly things like the um, you know the, the knee pads and the elbow pads yeah. covered the cuts in the suit so it worked Gee. so they could is that why they were created? yeah no we had them in the comic book originally yeah, right. it was just like one of those that it just came together very wow. also like what a benefit that you met Jim Henson in a, like I mean met a guy like Jim Henson who literally uh to create an, an entire different, uh, a new technology to be used, like how many people on the planet are like that? That were just like, oh, like you need me to do, like create something that hasn't been done before? Yeah, I'll take that on and, and probably crush it. Yeah, no, and it, that was his genius, you know, because I think that, you know, I mean, we all grew up on Sesame Street and, you know, the, the Muppet Show and all that stuff, and that, uh, you know, he's very innovative in a lot of stuff he was doing, doing then, and that, you know, he really, you know, this is, a, <clears throat> you know, Completely blue sky. This is whole new territory, and he, and he wasn't phased at all by it. Huh? No, he, he, you know, him and his company tackled it, and that's why that first movie worked, and that's why, you know, I love all the different versions of the turtles, you know, in, in live action and animation, and that have been done. But that first movie will always be it. That's the yeah. best, best version of the turtles I've well, that's ever been done here. Can, and they act like it's just amazing, like because in preparing for this, I went back and like looked at a bunch of clips and stuff, and just. To know, like, because when you're a kid, I just believed what I was seeing. Like, oh yeah, that's totally possible. A turtle can fight like that. But now that I know, like, laws of physics as an adult, I look back on what the moves that these people are doing, like, the martial arts moves, plus how expressive those faces really were, that you could get a full range of emotion from them. Yeah, they... You, like, when, when, when Raph is, like, just overlooking the city you could see depression in his face and it's like how do you like how the fuck do you do that yeah it was i mean really there's some i got some um, behind the scenes shots and there was you know there was a puppeteer that was off camera obviously that um had these, the mouth, right? yeah, yeah he did like these sensors that would kind of read his lips so he'd sort of talk the lines we did have two different controls that he'd you know like move the eyebrows move the cheeks and you know he literally would operate this whole thing from 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 again off off camera and they would have, uh, they had three sets of turtles, um, you know, uh, one was the acting ones with the big, you, you can eat, actually, if you go back and look, you can actually see when they're doing an acting scene, the shells are actually a little bit bigger because of the electronics in there. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the fighting suits were these uh, martial artists, because um, Golden Harvest was best known for um, 
all the original Jackie Chan movies, you know, Police Story and stuff like that. So they brought these amazing martial artists that were wearing these 80-pound suits and doing those spin kicks and those fighting things in these suits and pulling it off. I mean, there was... You know, that was another piece of it. As a kid, though, you're watching and you're like, if the fight sequences weren't so dope, you yeah. wouldn't. I mean, that like sold so much of it for yeah. you to be like, oh yeah, that's like those are those right. exist. Yeah, because like you you look back at other movies that try to do something like that where it just became super campy, whether it be like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or <laughs> Sharknado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, like yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah. like and, and so if not done right, that's what the turtles would have been. Like it, 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 if it was just way too cheesy and a guy like barely moving his fist, touching a guy, and then he flies back like he got hit with a battering ram. Yeah, yeah. that that would that wouldn't have worked. So it just and I just remember that movie was the first movie. I'm 32. That movie was the first movie where I saw the poster as a kid and saw it coming soon and then saw the date and was like, I'm seeing that fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the first time, like, I ever... Because before you would just, like, oh, you just go see whatever kid's movie was in the theater your, your parents would just bring you. That was the first movie where I was like, no, 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 mom, dad, we're seeing this. Like, it was just insane. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, like I mentioned Planet of the Apes earlier. I mean, to me, that was, like, I remember seeing the poster and going... You know that was a fantastic movie. That it, it worked on every level. That sort of took me, propelled me into that whole, that whole fantastical world. Yeah, I mean, so. and, and just to comment on that a little bit more, like I was telling you before we started, like I bought that poster when it came out, had it, uh, you know, in fifth grade Adam's room, took it to, had it in my high school room, even brought it to college, and like still have it. It has all these like rips and tears, but it's like lost your virginity under that poster. I mean, probably <laughs> did. Uh, <laughs> stared right into their eyes. Why is Donatello looking at me? Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't, 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 don't. Whose idea was it? Because it was, hey dudes, this is no cartoon, right? Yeah. Um, whose idea was, because you probably were like, we need some sort of a tagline to... Yeah, because I mean, that was, because it was, the cartoon show is where, you know, a lot of the, 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 a lot of the world was exposed to the turtles um, the most and first. Um, and so when, in a live action movie, it's like, they just wanted you to know, it's not a cartoon, it's yeah. a live action, it's yeah. a live action movie. But yeah, the, New Line came up with the with the poster concept, which I thought was perfect. You know, it's and the city and right. Uh, I want to note, oh, yeah. just real quick, with uh, Jim Henson being involved, is that how Kevin Clash, who you know the voice of Elmo, yep. got involved? Was he just like, I have the perfect guy to play Splinter? Yeah, it was because uh, even uh, Brian Henson, uh, yeah. Jim Henson's son, was he was second unit director on the film. He shot a lot of the second unit stuff with Steve Barron, and uh, so mm. you know Jim brought a lot of his his puppeteers and stuff that worked on all kinds of other. Um, um, you know Jim Henson Muppets project. Yeah, and, uh, so amazing. And when you heard that Splinter voice, were you just like, "Yeah, that's." That, yeah, no. And in fact, it was um, originally he was just um, you know um, there to feed the lines, and they were going to do ADR. You know, you know, sure. Get another, maybe a more well-known uh, Harrison Ford. <laughs> James, James, no, uh, yeah. <clears throat> James Earl Jones. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> this is the sewer. <laughs> But um, everybody fell in love with it, you know, um, and so, yeah, Kevin was, was Splinter. Yeah. You know, now, you've had, obviously, like, I think of Adam and I as being huge fans of the Turtles, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure some of the stories that, and some of the encounters that you've had with mega fans, like, what's some of the crazy fan stories? Like, do you have people with Turtles tattoos, people that name their children Raphael, people whose safe word is cowabunga? <laughs> <laughs> 
Kalbuka. Kalbuka. Okay, 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 okay. Put down the side. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, what, what's some crazy fan stories that you have? No, I mean, all of the, you know, basically all of the above. Um, what? The, no, seriously. <laughs> Except the safe, safe word. Thing. Right. Um, they, they obviously go with pizza. Yeah. Instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, there's uh, more and more, you know, uh, tattoos are, are, are part of the culture and, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, a, a positive part of the culture in so many ways. And I've signed more, you know, people come in and have full turtle sleeves and they would, um, and they saved the spot for me to sign it and, um, and I sign it Sharpie and they go out and get it tattooed. So they had my signature tattooed and that was, you know, it's one of those things because I have tattoos and I love them. And, you, and to me, it's like the fact that they're um, so proud to have that turtle tattoo to me is just a huge compliment and then to have me sign them and they get my name tattooed you kind of go like this is weird but the coolest fucking thing ever yeah, it's so weird like, for a second but yeah. then like fuck yeah like it means that like it really like you like, I mean you, you probably have a flashback to like sketching yeah. as a kid right and be like I can't believe now that it's like equating to that yeah but there's you know and but the, all the fans are uh, you know uh, so respectful so uh, kind and you know I, I to me it's like you know um, I literally have the best job ever because of the fans. That's, I get to do what I do because of them. And, and, you know, when you're talking about your poster, I thought of immediately. It's, I love that when we do shows now, it's like, you know, you have some kids. You know, it's not generational because you have the, the, the kids that are exposed to it when they were six, seven or whatever and still yeah. have the turtle poster. They would bring that turtle poster and this thing is beat to hell. Yeah. And I call it, you know, a, a really beat up comic book or whatever. A, 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 a turtle toy with half the arm chewed off that the dog chewed, but they still had it. And I call it well loved. I mean, they kept it all those years because they they loved it, yeah, and yeah. And, uh, um, and now it's because they've they've had this really huge resurgence over the last five or six years that it's become, which is even more purple dust out of my brain. So <laughs> that um, it's become generational because to me, it's like you right. couldn't tell you or you what was cool when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. You can't tell that to kids now um, what's cool. It's like they make up their own mind. They'll yep. tell you what they think's cool, and so you see like. You know, mom and dad who were fans of the turtles growing up, and they've got a bandana on, and they've got their stuff, and there's their son or daughter with a turtle costume on, and they've got their toys. And yeah. to me, it's like holy yeah. shit. Yeah, because well, because like, like like you say, when you, when you you literally walk in the KB Toys, and a mom is scolding her child, saying, "I'm not going to buy that for you." Now you have like. Now you have probably dads going like, wait, where are my toys? Oh, my, my son's playing with them. Come back with my toys. You know, and like a dad yelling at his kid for playing with his toys. Like I just see that scene happening in homes across America. And then that's got to that's be a mind trip for you that, is, yeah. that you've lasted that long and that the love has literally been passed down from generation it to generation. It is. You know, two things. When we do, uh, we do a lot of, uh, my wife Courtney and I, we do a lot of shows, um, 12 or 15 <laughs> comic conventions a year and you know i do the slideshow and the first thing i do is like you know i I wouldn't be standing up here 32 years later um if not for you guys you know and i still don't know why the turtles are so popular and i blame all of you guys (laughs) and then thank you thank you and thank you um but what's even what freaks me out even more again so many things um the fact that they were popular here in the united states was you know amazing enough and it if they were popular for two years and went away and, you know, whatever. Um, but then they started going um, around the world. And so we've been to shows in, you know, yeah. Argentina, all different parts of Europe, Germany. Oh, and, shit. And we actually did a show in, um, we did a comic book show in Dubai this year in April. And it was, like, huge amount of Turtle fans. Like, in Dubai? They, they, in Dubai. It was, like, but wow. they were, like, it wasn't, it was, like, Turtles were a big component, but they had, like, 
you know, um, people dressed up like Captain America and X-Men and Iron Man and they love the superhero culture and they love turtles and we had, you know, huge lines of people, you know, to get their turtle stuff signed in Dubai. You know, I mean, yeah, to, to span you know, the globe like that is... It's freaky, man. It's right? Like, yeah, it's so cool. It's just a, and now what about... Have you received any... Brad mentioned pizza as a safe word, but like... Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I went to so many pizza part... Like turtle pizza party themed parties as a kid. Like, did Domino's or anybody reach out and give you like a lifetime card for like <laughs> free pizza? Because you like... I'm sure sales spiked. Well, and I think... Didn't you... Did you use Domino's or Pizza Hut in the second movie? Or... There was, you know, I don't, I think that... Um, there, there, there's definitely some, pro, there's some product placement there. I think Domino's was in the first one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, actually I think, um, going back, but I think Domino's was in the first one because I think Pizza Hut was approached first because I think it was a bigger chain at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. And Pizza Hut said, no way, this is the stupidest thing, like, ever. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Suck it, Pizza Hut. Biggest blunder ever. <laughs> yeah, but then, yeah, wow, and then... Papa John's is like, why wasn't I starting there yet? <laughs> and Little Caesars were like, our pizza's too big. <laughs> we fucked up from the start. Uh, uh, okay, so then the we were talking a little bit about the um, second and third movie, and uh, you're still saying how you love the first one so much, but so at, the success of that then is, I mean, again, are you approaching it like, all right, cool, now we get to make a movie, another cool thing along this journey, but not anticipating any sort of giant success to be able to make a second and third one? Or? Yeah, that was, you know, much like, you know, the, the, the first comic book was um, self-contained because we never thought we'd make another one, the beginning, mm-hmm. middle, and end. And the first movie was like, it was a complete story, and then, you know, including, much yeah. like the first comic book, the Shredder died at the end, looks like he died at the end. Yeah. Um, and that was like... Spoiler alert, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we, we, I mean, it was, I think what the budget was... Um, Seven million and change, probably, to do that, and I think it was it was a big risk for New Line. I mean, yeah. like I said their biggest uh, yeah. hit at that time was New Nightmare on Elm Street, and um, you know, and every other studio turned it down. So I think it was just like you know, it might do ten million at the box office, and would be lucky, it would be yay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then, then how like, much did it do opening weekend? I think it was, like it was um, twenty-five million opening weekend, yeah, wow. and everybody just went like it was like, what the. And, and, and do you remember that, getting yeah. it? And, and that's back in the wait early nineties, right? Nineteen ninety. Yeah. And so I, 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 I know like Iron Man does one hundred twenty five million dollars now, but like twenty five million back then was just yeah. huge. And do you remember getting that phone call when they were like, "Yo, this is what it was"? Like, yeah, that was like, yeah, there was like, like Monday morning. You know, um, uh, everybody was just completely flipping out. It was like one of those things that nobody knew. You know, and was, then they're like, "We need a second movie now, and we need Vanilla Ice in it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I mean, a guy. <laughs> I mean, let's let's talk about. I mean, and that by the way, that because you're watching it as a kid, Vanilla Ice is huge at that point. Yeah, so right. like, that's uh, I mean. Right, like when that when those types of things start to become possibilities, you're like, oh yeah, we have like transcended like pop culture because now like, I mean, yeah. did you approach him or did he go, yo, I want to be in that turtle movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was like much like um, you know, I, I really like the the soundtrack um, for the first turtle movie. It's incredible. Like, well, sure, I learned how to spell turtle because of that soundtrack. <laughs> MC Hammer. Yeah, T U R T L E. Howard, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Partners in Crime. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Partners in Crime. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, that helped. So thanks for having me pass my second grade spelling. But I think your word is turtle. I got this. Can, can I sing it? Name yeah. a Renaissance artist. Yeah, yeah I got that. <laughs> um, no, but the soundtracks I think were, you know, always part of a, uh, movies, and I think they were just becoming more 
popular as something that they could also sell. And so, sure. um, so I think that with the, the first um, Turtle soundtrack, I think was platinum. We got a platinum record. Uh, wow. Um, uh, like one of those fake ones, not the real one. Yeah. But um, well, that doesn't happen anymore. So I think when you know when they started putting together the soundtrack for the second one, it was like, all right, who's who's popular? And, yeah. Right. But then to have him be in it and that whole like dance scene, it was like. <laughs> was a, Oh wait, it wasn't my. Yeah, it was, no, your favorite. Yeah. Okay. yeah, let's well, talk we, about it. No, you didn't like. No, it. it was just one of those that you know because what was um, frustrating to Peter and I because um, when we did this when we approached the second movie. We wanted it to be the, in the same style and tone as the first movie, which is, you know, something for all ages, all audiences, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and everybody felt that, like, oh, my God, this was such a huge hit. We have to dumb it down. We have to make it. Let's uh, – our it's logical that kids are going to see this more than adults, so we actually have to make it more like the live-action cartoon show mm-hmm. than something for all audiences. So they made it – you know, you notice that the Turtles barely use their weapons in the second movie. Yeah. And, um, some of the kids – a lot more jokes, a lot more humor, a lot more – Right, silly. A lot, a lot of giant mutant wolves and snapping turtles calling Shredder Mama. (laughs) Mama, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little frustrating. And like, yeah, like the the uh, burping jokes and stuff like yeah. And like, it's weird because when I watched as a kid, I thought this is the greatest thing ever. Then I watched it back as an adult, and I was like, oh yeah. Why would Vanilla Ice just know that entire rap off the top of his head? <laughs> because he's incredible, Brad. <laughs> and why? And why did the turtles bust into a choreographed dance like they had practiced this a million times? <laughs> because <laughs> they're versatile. <laughs> because ninjas, like, it, like that became like on the playground. You could just say ninja skills, and that could cover anything. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, they can dance because of ninja skills. Oh yeah, sure. Well, go ninja, go ninja, go was probably uttered at several bar mitzvah parties I attended. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then the third one that was I mean then you're like alright well now this story wise like I mean to time travel that's where, where does that come from well that was you know because it was always like you know even um, what's funny when you hear like um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, when like that went into the UK we the word ninja was banned so the, the, huh. in, in the UK when they first came out it was Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles and, and seriously, and then even in fucking in, British, first that, and that, yeah, no wonder you have a Brexit right now, you dumbasses. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles, and then they um, uh, and people would just naturally assume that they were huge in Japan. They go, yeah. this must be like really huge, and it's like if you think about it, the biggest hoax I guess we pulled, you know, it was that you know, like the spy who shagged me, or you know, um, what it's ninja is like. In Japanese, the translation is like teenage mutant murdering turtles. Because <laughs> ninjas, ninjas are assassins. Yeah, yeah, they're assassins, and they're like paid assassins. They'll kill yeah. anybody for a yeah, couple of bucks. So it's like, yeah. so it was never Jokes ever that popular in Japan, right. like, ever. Yeah, You're right. Could, yeah, because I'm sure like moms and dads are like, I'm not buying a, a tur- turtle assassin <laughs> exactly. for my turtle. child. But with the, so with the third movie, what we because we had you know the more we. Read up on you know Japanese history and culture, and, and we just felt that we could bridge you know by taking turtles back in time that they would also sort of get in touch with yeah. some of their past, some of yeah. their origin for their martial arts skills. Which yes, is, I love how you know, like jitsu being an honorable thing. Yeah, and I love how like some people watch that movie and go like, oh yeah, time travel like that would happen. They're fucking mutant ninja turtles. <laughs> like we've kind of thrown logic out the window a little bit to where like yeah, you can't just be like, well that. That part was stupid. You had a, like, you need a DeLorean. <laughs> Wait, now, uh, just to backtrack.
check for a minute. We got about uh, uh, ten more minutes left. Is everybody good? Everybody having a good time, by the way? Yeah. 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 There's people here, and that's awesome. Yeah, this is great. Awesome know, people here. We didn't know what would happen. We we thought when we first put this together that it was just gonna be like one person in the front row, which is in a full turtle outfit, full, full turtle outfit with, with with like the voice of the Simpsons comic book guy going best podcast ever. <laughs> So thank you guys for coming out. Uh, I think I heard you mention this um, on in another uh, interview, but uh, so the Ninja Turtles came first, and then the Teenage Mutant was like added shortly. At, like you and Peter were like riffing on the whole title, right? Yeah, that was in that that first drawing. Um, it was all you know in that one night. It's like I did the sketch, Pete did the sketch, and I did the pencil sketch with with all four. Um, and I had just its you know crude sort of Ninja Turtles um, logo mm-hmm. on it. And when and I did mine in drawing in pencil, and Pete inked it in, he had a teenage mutant to the title, and that was him furthering the joke. So yeah. that one illustration, which is like in the, you'd see it in the studio, is uh, yeah. that main logo that's been on so many, yeah, that's yeah, been, and, yeah since and, the beginning. So that was that night, and like yeah. like I said, we literally left the next day and was like. This is like the dumbest thing ever. So, <laughs> so when uh, you got up to like when you put Ninja Turtles, and then like went off and did your own thing, and then you came back and saw Teenage Mutant. Were you like? I, was, I laughed my butt. I laughed my ass. I was just like, was like, "This is so funny." I mean, again, yeah. it's it's just too because you know Pete and I were um, you know we shared a studio. We were brothers. We you know we hung out, went to the comics, so we ge- did all those geeky stuff that you know bros do, and mm. um, and you know passing the drawings back and forth. In fact, I mean all those early issues of the Turtles, some of the stuff you see on the walls um, here is stuff that you know Pete and I worked on together in the same room, like passing the pages back and forth, trying to get some of each of our style on every single page. And at what point in your friendship did you? Because obviously, like any great. Uh, comedy duo or writing team or, or uh, you know drawing team like the uh, the balance of the give and take or the trust too for you for like you know if you would come back and seen Teenage Mutant and been like I mean I like where you're going but like maybe not that but I mean maybe middle aged mutant <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah why so young I mean but, turtles live a long time so it's logical that they could still have athletic ability in, in their middle age yeah obviously. yeah sure but like yeah. I guess how quickly did you guys develop that trust and it was it was it was a good um, it was just a good working relationship in that you know when you know like you know, imagine if you guys are sitting working out a comedy skit or something like that it's like well that's kind of you know it's like you give a little they give a little but you know and a lot of it came from you know when we work on the stories it was like hey what do you think about this and well, that's kind of like that episode of Star Trek or what do you think of that and let's you know let's you know and it sort of organically sort of weaves its own path yeah. that you mm-hmm. sort of you give and take and you have respect for each other and, and if there's you know if there's something that I was like oh, that's really stupid um, they go yeah, alright I'll give you that one um, yeah. uh, vice versa and, <laughs> so, so who came up with uh, who came up with Baxter Stockman turning into a fly <laughs> and then who was like yes yeah. like that one <laughs> well that was you know in the, in the cartoon show because we've right. done you know early on even before the cartoon show we did uh, a couple role playing games that had lots of other mutant characters um, yeah. characters that became mutants and, and even Bebop and Rocksteady you know Mutant Rhino and Mutant Warthog and sure. it was done long before the cartoon show and it was just one of those great visual things like Oh, he's a scientist, but you know, and well, who doesn't love that old movie, The Fly? It's right, like, he right, becomes right. Back to the Fly. Yeah, like, so was, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 villains are just as crazy as the turtles because <laughs> between Bebop and Rock, yeah, Krang, who's just a human brain. That's, who, who did that voice, by the way? Yeah. Oh, it was um, 
Uh, anybody, you guys know? Anybody know? Is it, it was, um, he was well known too, and he did another voice on the show, and I apologize, I'm forgetting his we'll name, because he was awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but he I, did another voice, and then he did Crying, and it was Was like, it Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep. <laughs> she Jack could do Nicholson. It. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, well, yeah, then, then you also had like, the Rat King, and uh, I'm trying to think of the other like badass villains. I mean, yeah, like the Rat King is weird as hell. Yeah. And, you know, a dude that can talk to rats like although still better than Aquaman uh, <laughs> shots fired Jason Momoa what okay anyway uh, but yeah like just all the villains are just they're, they're just insane and, well, and, but then they all work in that in that universe because if you have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. like anything goes at that point no exactly I was just going to say like you said earlier it's like you know when you start to argue you know you can argue story, story logic and, and you know some kind of balance of reality but you know then at the end even like with a comic book story because I work at um, IDW and for the last five years Tom Waltz and, and myself and Bobby we, we write the current Turtles comic book um, and we put logic and science and research and put it in and then if we get to a point in the story where it's like um, well it's a comic book so we can you know <laughs> we can get by yeah. with this one but yeah. back in those days it was like you know you think about the platform you're working in the, 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 uh, the structure it's, do you have a favorite turtle Don Donardo. Donardo? No. no. <laughs> Raffatello. No. Uh. Good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like picking a kid. But. Yeah, it is. It's picking, you know, but, I, you know, Michelangelo was, like, the first turtle ever drawn, so I was yeah. always kind of partial to him, and, and uh, um, but then, uh, you know, these days when I write, it's always, like, Raphael, you know, and I do it. Yeah. A, <laughs> but, um, you know, again, love them all, but, like, Raphael always liked, especially when we came up with the character Casey, and we were talking about Elias Cateus earlier, the best Casey Jones ever. The most, uh, yeah. Such a such a underrated performance. Like, I don't know, I mean, you know, I'm biased. Like, if he would, if I would have heard he was nominated for an Academy Award for that performance, I'd have been like, well, duh. Uh, <laughs> he, had the be- he had the best, like, ending lines. Like, in a movie, like, when a, you know, a bad guy would, like, knock some, or the good guy would knock somebody out and then say, stand over him and say something like, I was just uh, rewatching the first movie last night, and when he, uh, 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 hits Tatsu with the golf club and then goes I'll never call golf a dull game again <laughs> I was like dude that's so cool he must have gotten so much pussy that night uh, but so can I have your number uh, no did I mention him in the Ninja Turtles movie <laughs> yeah. I'm Casey Jones <laughs> so yeah so, so no it's a, yeah. so Raphael I love teaming up with Casey if we want to tell a story that you can go places you can't take other turtles sure but would, you know, so. would there ever uh, would there ever be a movie where like they weren't all together. Like there was a spinoff of just one turtle going on some journey or no, you can't do that. You know, I mean, these probably not. I mean, it's, you know, I always, um, you know, if I had, you know, like I said earlier, I like all the different versions of the turtles, um, movies, but it's like, you know, say none of them would, are done the way I would have done them. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when I want to tell my own turtle stories, I can write it and draw it and that's how I'd like to see a story go so you, right. you're making compromises and even like a movie um, like the newest movies it's like so many moving parts and so much money and the studios have to accomplish this yeah. it's almost too much give and take to, to which you have cameos in 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love the fact my favorite part of the cameo is they showed up from yeah. the low angle. So they got all my chins. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so basically they, they, they took, they're like, okay, you know that camera angle that chicks use to always make themselves look good in selfies? Let's do the exact opposite of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do just like bottom coming up. Yeah, you play, a, uh, you play a pizza guy? Pizza guy, yeah. It's like the, op- the opening few seconds of the movie. It's like, yeah. and literally, it's like if, if you turn to say something to your friend, you miss my scene. You know? <laughs> And then, and then, but I'm, I was thrilled to be in it. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, now do they call you? Do you call them and say, like, don't you know who I am? Or, like, <laughs> just, yeah. you know, drive through the gates of the Paramount lot and say, <laughs> um, no, everybody uh, at Paramount and, and Platinum Dunes, they, they've all, you know, been super respectful. And even, you know, because I do some consulting on the movie, some consulting. Mm-hmm. I've written some of the cartoon episodes. I voice. Uh, Ice Cream Kitty on the Turtle, Turtle oh, Cartoon nice. Nickelodeon show. Oh, shit. Um, my choice, and uh, it was funny because uh, they said, we're going to come up with a really, we want you to do a voice in the animated show. We're going to come up with like a really, a really cool, uh, good guy, a really bad, bad guy. And they were showing sketches of different characters they were going to introduce <coughs> in the show. And it was this character uh, called Ice Cream Kitty, a cat that eats mutagen on ice cream. And <laughs> a cat made of ice cream. I'm not, you know what? At the, beginning, at the beginning of this podcast, I would be totally weirded out by you saying Ice Cream Kitty, but now I'm like, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. I like that character. Well, I was going to say, as yeah. you, as the franchise has grown, you've probably been pitched characters and other, even like turtle storylines. Like, what about if they all start a band and, you know, and team they, up with Instinct. We did that. And, yeah. they, and they take it on tour. And call it, wait. <laughs> wait they, never uh, happened. They're wearing yarmulkes. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what was it? Out of the Shadows, the, li- the live show? Out of the... Sh- no, the no. half shell. What, Coming half, out of the shell? Coming out of the shell. Yeah. Com- yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. uh, yeah. Out of the Shadows is the new movie. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Coming out of the shell was the live stage show. And uh, that was that was awesome. Was, that was interesting. <laughs> hey, guess what? Watched it a bunch. So mission accomplished. Well, they, you know, a lot of that when they first approached us. I mean, we Peter and I had the same reaction. When they approached us. We want to do this live Turtle Stage show, and we were like, we laughed a yeah. lot. And uh, um, and then you think, you know, they had, you know, these these Disney on Ice or yeah, you know, yeah. all these kids shows that would tour around and do all this all this different stuff. And this they. They came back with, uh, they wrote some of the songs, they showed us how they would actually accomplish some of the stuff, and so we, you know, felt that the story was good, and, you know, yeah. man, everything else worked, why not? Yeah. I uh, highly advise everyone here and everyone listening to go to uh, the Screen Junkies YouTube page. Yo, you saw it already? Yeah. Uh, they do a series called uh, Honest Trailers, where they make pretty much any good movie uh, sound horrible by doing a really like like pointing out all the flaws and shit in the movie oh, I love and it. they actually did an honest trailer for that live stage show <laughs> and my favorite clip that they show is Shredder going out in the audience and essentially doing crowd work <laughs> and like where the ladies at yeah Yes, like, <laughs> he does that, and like he he kind of he kind of insinuates to one kid that he wants to sleep with his mother, and it's like the most frightening thing. Oh, but man. yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's like yeah, like basically Shredder does a yo mama joke uh, to that mom, and it's just like unbelievable. So I highly advise everyone go check that. One, one of my out. favorite matchups is they actually took the. Um, Somebody edited the the Reservoir Dogs trailer to uh, the Turtles. What? Look it up. It's like Red Turtle Reservoir Dogs Reservoir Dogs Turtle. So it's like you got Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue. You know. Yeah. Oh, it's but it's, yeah. So it's like a proper mashup. Of, Holy uh, shit! It's really good. Um, we have to wrap this up. Yeah. I want to know though, like what? 
the uh, if you were to you know sum up like to uh, a kid who's maybe just discovering the turtles and you were to like tell me either like I don't know if it's the relationship between the turtles or a message or, or what they kind of like um, do they have a greater meaning or yeah like or like why <laughs> I feel like I'm asking God why are we here <laughs> <laughs> but like what what would you tell that kid about like what the turtles um, you know signify or uh, or you know and then also to that point, like, what has been um, the the best thing you've loved about this whole experience? Well, you know, it's what I I think again is it's so many happy accidents. You know, none of this should have worked ever. None of it should have came the way <laughs> it, it came together. You know, I mean, just the way. I mean, I met Peter Laird by. I went to a, try to sell my artwork to a company, to a magazine that he'd also tried to sell artwork to, and they didn't want mine or his, but they, the guy at the, the editor goes, hey, you know, you draw the same weird shit that this guy Peter Laird draws, <laughs> and he lives down the street. You should go, you should meet him. Wow. Um, so there's so many of those bizarre little instances that, that, that made that work the way it worked, but I think one of the things that I keep getting when, you know, fans come up from all ages now, 30, you know, the youngest uh, 32 years ago to the stuff now is that they find something in the turtles that um, you know it's not a particular race, creed, color, um, religion, and it's they're mutant turtles, so you don't alienate anybody. And the mm-hmm. four different personalities, they can relate to different. I'm kind of like Donatello, and I always ask yeah. fans, "Who's your favorite turtle and why?" And it's like um, they can relate to him. And then at the end, I think the positivity and that they're a group of misfits that they make up a family uh it's it's you know a single dad and they love and respect him and they they you know they fight like brothers and sisters do but they love each other and they always got each other's backs yeah. and um at the end of the day it's like um we all want to be that indiana indiana jones character you know we want to be teenagers first we just want to be i just want to be a kid but then mm-hmm. when the ships are down you do the right thing and i think we all want to be that person you know male female you know whatever just saves the day and does the right thing so i think it's positivity family um, in this absurd sort of setting, um, wow. and it's—I um, don't know—you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, but um, I think it's, it's. I never thought of Splinters being a single dad before, and now I'm like flashing back to like every '80s sitcom, and now just like re- replacing those dads. With He's Splinter. like Charles in charge. Or <laughs> no, no, no. no. Uh, well, thank you for doing this. Yeah. This oh, was incredible. God. And if there is uh, another movie, uh, let's start a Kickstarter to get Vanilla Ice to resurrect Ninja. Go Ninja Go. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, oh, you thank saw, you. You saw the that? macaroni and cheese commercial. What? What? <laughs> Vanilla ice macaroni oh, cheese. Yes. Commercial. I love what? that. No, sorry. Wait, what? He, is that for real? He does. He does a mac. He's craft macaroni and cheese. It's like he's stocking the shelves, and the mom goes down the the aisle. She mom's going like, Go Ninja Go Ninja Go, and the kids what? and the. We need. All right, we're gonna go YouTube this way. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go. Anyway. But, guys, give it up one more time for right. Kevin East. Let him here. Uh, come on. experiencing all this thank you kevin and uh keep listening to the podcast keep coming over here to the san diego comic art gallery and kevin you got a website you can plug no just come here they'll find me just come here (laughs) i live here all right thank you guys so much hi guys thank you so much
Tony Danza. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.